0: Hello and welcome to the Relief Podcast from the Akron Art Museum, bringing comfort and joy to your day. I'm Gina Thomas-McGee, the museum's curator of education, and I'm here by my lonesome today, but not for long. We will be talking with other staff members and also gallery visitors about this week's theme, which is adventure. We were inspired by the museum's newest exhibition, which is called Good Hope, and is a collection of illustrated works by a design team and group of illustrators out of Cape Town, South Africa, called Mooty. So we cannot wait for you to see that exhibition and to hear about your adventures. So let's take a hop into the galleries, and talk to a few visitors about adventures they've taken. So could you tell us your name? I'm um, Kara Buckler. So Kara, can you tell us about something you do in your life that is an adventure or one of your favorite adventures? Gosh, um, well we have a family of five, three little girls, and have loved living in the Akron area. We often explore the metro parks. We love new adventures and uh, exploring new hikes. I we'll also love it here at the museum. The exhibits are wonderful, um, not only for adults, but to bring our kids too. So. We just feel very fortunate to be in an area with so much potential for exploration. And do you have a dream adventure like on your life list, something that you want to do eventually? Oh, gosh. You know, we've talked about exploring out west with the kids. My husband and I um, enjoy traveling and did a lot more prior to having a young family. But we recently talked about uh, Grand Canyon, Sedona, et cetera, with the kids. So that was probably next on our list. Mm, That sounds like great memory-making, for sure. Okay, so can you tell me your name? Kate. Kate and? Ben. Ben. And can you tell me about one of your favorite adventures ever?
1: Well, we go on vacation and do cool things.
0: What is the coolest thing? I've seen you at lots of different bakeries. Do you like hunting for food on vacations? Mm, Yes. (laughs) What else? Uh, Also, when I get to, like... Be on the bed with my mom. Yeah, sleepovers. What about you, Ben? I like see Daddy eat ten thousand lobsters. <laughs> ten thousand lobsters? Not, Did... a, not a day, like almost a week. If we're in, uh, if we're in Florida. If you're in Florida, he eats a lot of lobsters. <laughs> what if you could jump into one of the artworks at the museum? um and go on an adventure inside it what do you think that would feel like cool (laughs) i think it would be cool too (laughs) if i jump jump in that one i would be in a world where a big monster is attacking me yeah i think that does look like a world doesn't it kind of a swirly world what do you think kate uh yeah yeah (laughs) all right so more adventures to come right All right. Can you tell everyone, go on an adventure? Go on an adventure. (laughs) I love it. Thank you. All right. We've heard about hikes, sleepovers, all kinds of adventures. But now, on our journey, it is time to take a deep dive into the collection with Sloan King Owen.
1: A drift at sea with only the room in your boat to hold the most precious objects of your life. What do you bring with you to tell your story? Hello again. My name is Sloane King-Owen, Education Coordinator at Akron Art Museum. This week's deep dive features the work of Italian contemporary artist Maurizio Bellagrin. Please join me now as we take a deep breath, center ourselves, and begin unpacking this conceptual mystery together. Let's begin. The Sea is a sculptural installation work by Venetian artist, Maurizio Pellegrin. The sculpture first announces its presence with an unabashed nod to the mystical qualities of color. As you approach the sculpture, you are immediately confronted with a splash of red thrown across the floor. Standing apart from the typically sterile white environment of the gallery, it's a humble makeshift watercraft, the color of fresh cherries. Red, in all its vibrancy and brilliance, expresses energy, passion, and movement, according to the artist. In this post-medium production, it is the color rather than material that serves the primary purpose of communication. The phenomenological underpinnings of which mean We don't need to share the same upbringing or even speak the same language to experience the work and craft a meaningful understanding of it. What will sitting on this raft feel like? What will I experience at sea? The pallet sized raft rests upon a series of small rounded mallets, typical of the leatherworking tradition in the Venice region. The brick red wood of the raft is blanketed by an undulating swatch of cloth, the color of a poppy, or the ripest summer berry. This fabric sits atop the raft, deliberately casual in the most delicious way, bunching in messy pleats, back and forth, back and forth, like the velvet of a theater curtain. Above this blood red ruching, sits an unassuming collection of cultural artifacts, a black bocce ball polished to perfection, an ancient fishing rod, a tin container delicately wrapped in fabric as to contain its memories, and a small stack of books tied lovingly together. Like the face of a clock, These objects hold the place of the cardinal directions for our seaward traveler. But even more than that, these objects serve as Venetian artifacts too. An object can never just be an object in its purest sense, because the object will always be imbued with the memories and knowledge of its function. These objects, otherwise regarded as ephemera, are transformed into the lasting relics of the culture. Will their memory and significance survive the journey at sea? And when this raft gets to where it's going, will the people who find it banked against new shores understand the significance of what they found? This has been this week's Deep Dive. Join me next time for another quiet moment with the art. I've been Sloan, and thanks for looking.
0: All right, the last stop on this month's podcast adventure is a chance for us to hear directly from some artists, so stay tuned for this month's Shop Talk.
2: Hi there, I'm Brad. I'm a partner at Studio Muti uh, and representing South African illustration scene.
3: Cool, so where are you?
2: Uh, We're in Cape Town, which is far away from you guys, and a lot of people have never been to Cape Town, but it's uh, right at the end of Africa, right at the bottom, and it's a It's an interesting place, Cape Town. I think it's a big, it's a nice mix of people, you know, it's a beautiful city, and um, I guess we get a lot of inspiration from our town and from the mountains and the ocean.
3: I think the one thing that I was looking at a map, a projection map, that Americans probably don't understand is how small North America is, our continent, compared to the continent of Africa. So South Africa is not at all close to Egypt, right? (laughs) <laughs> the opposite of your continent. What? Did, where is
2: that? Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's the easiest place to find on the African continent because it's the, the <laughs> south. So it's the last uh, the last country at the bottom of the continent. Yeah. So we have a lot of ocean around us, and we're kind of uh, I wouldn't say it's wild out here, but because we're at the bottom of the continent with the ocean surrounding, I guess the weather does lend itself to being quite vibrant, should we say? And the oceans, there's sharks in the ocean, and we have wild animals that might eat you. So <laughs> that's only That's any if you. Obviously, if you go to their home. But otherwise, it's all pretty safe.
3: That sounds awesome. And you have so it <laughs> sounds. It sort of sounds idyllic, right? Like you have ocean and you have mountains. So what? What? What happens in Cape Town? Like, give us a picture of a Cape Town.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's idyllic in a way. Sure. Look, I'll be honest. The wind does blow. Yeah, it does. It does get into your head a bit. I'm not going to paint a false picture but you know with the mountains jutting out from the sea that really paints a beautiful picture so you know a lot of film companies come down here to to film because there's such diverse locations you know you have the winelands which is 30 minutes away and to the forest to the beaches to the west coast which is quite desolate you know because of the cold current that goes up there so there is a lot of variety here but everyone talks about the mountain about table mountain and this is our icon, i guess you could call it it's one of the it's one of the natural wonders uh we kind of all live around it Mm. um and it feels like it doesn't you you can call us a city but it feels like we're small villages around Mm. this mountain each 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 with its own character characteristics Mm -hmm. which which is kind of nice so you Mm -hmm. can uh get a lot of you can see a lot of different things in a short space of time
3: it feels a little bit like a storybook Like, you have a lot
2: lot of things going
3: on. I can't quite think of, like, an American comparison, Mm. sort of. But, like, I think Seattle. Seattle has Mount Rainier, and then it has pretty close, the only rainforest in North America, in Olympic Park. But it sort of feels, I don't know that we have a cognitive. It's Mm. certainly very different than Akron, which actually doesn't even have a body of water. We're close to a huge body of water, like Yuri. Uh, Another thing I just realized realized the other day when my whole team was talking Mm. to your team, is that we've sort of spoken, but I wonder, is my accent hard for you to understand?
2: No, not really. Because no, we, uh, we have
3: thought about how yours is sort of hard for us to uh, understand. Is. You know, as Americans, we have Canada across the board, and we certainly can tell yeah, the difference. Yeah. And we're, uh, Ohio has an aquatic border with Canada, so it's close. But it's, we sort of sound similar, but one thing I think is really interesting about working with you and hearing what you, ta- you know, talk about is that, we're separated. We have a common language and yet we're separate. But there yeah. are things that are so different, but there's things that are similar. There's things that, you, you know, you said in passing, but I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> and and I wonder if, you know, part of it is that we are similar and that both of us are colonial nations on some level. Sure. Certainly yeah. we're, we're, we're a little bit, became not a colony earlier than you all did, but they're certainly mm. the same thing, right? We're both forces of colonialism and sort of trying yeah. to deal with that. You yourself must be a colonial product on some level. Your name is Brad Hodgkiss. This might not yeah. think Brad Hotchkiss is a person from South Africa. What's your name? No.
2: Sure, yeah, absolutely. Uh, colonies were a big part of the history of our country. Um, my background is, my surname is English, but my, on my mom's side is Italian. What and was then
3: that last name? Lamberti. Uh, so here in Northeast Ohio, we have a lot of Italians. Okay, okay.
2: Yeah. Italian. yeah. Well, I guess, you know, with the colonizing, I mean, obviously, everyone went went everywhere for a certain period of time, and then yeah. settled down, and then you 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 kind of rooted yourself, and then you you weren't Italian or English anymore. You were South African or you were American, yeah. you know. Yeah. But because of the trade routes heading back, heading through Cape Town, the Dutch, the English, and I guess a bit of port- Portuguese as well, yeah. you know, a- anybody who was explorated to, explorated to, you know, I'm not sure if that's a word, but, and wanted to get some land had to go past us in a way. So they kind of set up Campio to an extent.
3: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, I love that idea that it's sort of similar to us, but different, right? So because we are not exactly, a tr- we are a trading state because of Lake Erie. So right. boats would come in from the Atlantic and go down the St. Lawrence Seaway and through the Great Lakes, and then they would go across a canal that connected Lake Erie to the major river system, which was Ohio to the Mississippi. And so they would go over canals through Akron. So in yeah. some ways, I think there's that's one big similarity. We sure. both have this sort of diversity because of commerce. Yes. Yeah. yeah, so, and I think that, you know, the other thing I think that is similar and we've talked about before is that, there's yeah. also a lot of challenges that come with commerce, right? Like there's a lot of economic challenges, but there's also a lot of you know racial challenges. Mm. Uh, Ohio has a lot of segregation, um, usually by yeah. economy. So it's not, it's not mm-hmm. legal. So it's it's no it's no longer legally segregated, yes. but certainly there was laws that dictated where people could buy homes and live. Yeah, yep. and I do think that that's something that when somebody sees South Africa, they can't help but wonder. Yes. So. In your lifetime, did you live through segregation? Are you of that generation?
2: When I was young, I was exposed to apartheid, absolutely, mm-hmm. but but not old enough to understand it. Where I grew up, it was a, a region that it was a poorer part of the country, and you know whites were definitely the minority. So
1: mm-hmm.
2: I didn't feel any tension uh, around you know a, around the living circumstances or mm-hmm. talking to people in the streets and things like that. But that's probably a naive point of view given my age growing up you obviously start to realize what had happened and how people were treated and yeah i mean that's something that we're working on still yeah. you know i mean it was such a divided time that there's going to be all sorts of things one has to deal with you know and we had a, a truth and Re- reconciliation committee and yeah. we went through a lot of this process of trying to you know talk about it and get it out there um but there's always extremes you know, and there are always people who are going to push it whichever way they want to. But you're right, like, like you said, it's more economic now, or or mm-hmm. structural. You know, you know we talk about structural, structural racism. Yeah, that's what we talk yeah, about
3: yeah. here. Structural yeah.
2: racism. I mean, ours was very structured, obviously. You know, and formalized, and it's gonna, it's got to be worked on very mm-hmm. hard. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. It's I think it's true in the states that you know we've had a lot of artists talk about structural racism. So even if it's mm-hmm. not structural in The political sense, it's socially And so, for example, one thing that happened here in the 20th century is that they created uh, interstate freeways. And those interstate freeways were built in ways that knocked out by eminent domain. They just took over parts of the city to just yeah. you know red line them and basically that kept one black people in one place and then white people in another yeah. but also made sure you could get out very quickly and okay. there, it's a, a new one of those just opened in cleveland recently so it's something that we're dealing with and our artists who work in many of the artists can say that the structural racism is part of their art it's something that they try to think about and deal with right. or yeah. some of them say Another artist has said that she doesn't want to deal with the structural racism in her art because she wants to think about someplace else.
2: Sure. Yeah, that's a good um, point. So
3: I'm curious yeah. if, if, if there's a South African artist, if you feel like some of those issues that you dealt with in your country are somehow impact the things you make.
2: I would say no. And, and I think yeah. just for the reason of the second, that person yeah. you mentioned, where they don't want to deal with it. And I, I think it's all up to the individual. You know, as a studio, I think... We, we don't focus on it uh, intentionally. Um, it is a sensitive subject. You know, we probably, I don't want to say we deal with happier things, <laughs> but yeah, you know, it, it can get you down, I guess, you know, uh, and also everyone has their own opinion. We're a studio of about 13 people. And so we don't come with one ideology, you know, so we don't want to force people to have to think a certain way or or do certain things. So, in that way, we probably don't focus on it. Mm. Yeah.
3: You know, somebody, one of our trustees was saying to me once about a show that was here, you know, it's actually can be brave to focus on joy. Mm. And free, but in the arts, yeah. sometimes that they ask us to do other things. And it's sometimes, it is sort yes. of going against the grain sometimes to do that. So, yeah. tell us about these groups of 13 people who are. Right. Uh, and who are doing this, going against rent grand- and also can you let everyone know if, what studio M- M- muti means?
2: Sure, uh, muti is a is a, me- a medicine, or you'd say a natural remedy made by sangoma, which is a, a Zulu like a traditional healer, or a, uh, maybe back in the day you could say call him a witch doctor. Although I don't know if that's that's a uh, that's right. applicable nowadays. um but yeah so it's a medicine it's a traditional medicine you know and it's quite a nice word i guess because it's it's quite punchy and it's local and it's it's means something to us you know
3: Mm. just so that i can clarify when you say medicine you mean like herbal Mm. remedies kind of
2: yeah, yeah yeah that's right yeah natural natural remedies yeah absolutely so it
3: kind of goes with the joy right it's your studio gives the like, natural <laughs> remedies right yeah so yeah, yeah. so tell so tell us about how did you come to be
2: yeah the studio started when uh, clinton bonnet uh, left the studio they were working for and and i guess people grow out of the studios you work for you know it's a progression and we met up two years later and the idea was always to start a studio it wasn't a about it's about working with other people and getting other people's ideas we didn't want to be a studio that had one style and other and everyone that worked here had to replicate that style so trying to find people with new and interesting styles and you know their work influences our work and you know some people have said they can see although are 13 different styles and probably more people say they can see our style and sometimes i find that difficult to believe because we we made up of such different styles but uh I think it's possibly the the way we portray th- adding humor to certain things or the way things are crafted. I'm not sure. I could see Aren't that you?
3: I definitely think the humor. Yeah. I would say, having you know, internet stocked your firm a lot, um, <laughs> yeah, that yeah. it's definitely the humor, it's the layering. There's certainly sure. a voice. It feels a little bit like if you're in a restaurant and all the dishes are different, but they have some sort of thing
2: together. Sure. Yes. Yeah, that's a good um, analogy.
3: Yeah, so maybe that's what it is. So, how did you, how did these people come to you? You're, how did you, how did you get 13 after
2: you start with the team? Yes, yeah. It was a slow process. You know, people send their CVs or their portfolios, and we get a lot of portfolios from overseas. And we find, you know, we'd, because we want people in the studio and find that it's more beneficial for us to be here together, we'd obviously only entertain the set of local people, the South Africans, you know. But yeah, if a good, if a good portfolio comes our way, and somebody who's shown something unique and um, it's really hard mm. to turn them down uh, even if at the time maybe we not we never go out there and say we need we need help you know mm. or sorry i mean um, we're hiring we've never yeah we've never gone that route but we've always found our way and maybe people start to see our work and they want to be part of it so we just hope that they have enough courage to get hold of us and send their work through, you know, because all the, the portfolios we see, there might not be a huge amount of work that resonates with us, but if there's a seed of something that you think you can, you know, develop and work with that person, because it's really about developing their style and it's their journey, mm-hmm. you know, um, we can help them, but it's, it's Sounds so it's collaborative.
3: Is it? You're saying, you know, help them journey together,
2: well, in a way, in a way, it's collaborative in the, in the fact that we can offer um, our guidance to an extent, but ultimately, it's the, you know, they're going to have to sit down and do it. You, you know, even when I'm doing something, I can, uh, it's my, it's going to be my struggle sometimes and I can get help from people or they can give opinions, but it might not be the right thing, but, you know, so I would say we, we, we give guidance here, <laughs> whether it's collaborative, um, I think the individual would still need to, to, or the illustrator would still need to go on their own journey, you know.
3: In museum education, they talk about, and actually in education here, a lot of times they talk about certain kinds of teaching methodologies being the guide on the side. (laughs) So it sounds a little bit like (laughs) that's that's what you're doing. So so. tell us about the process. You're struggling. You have a project. You're struggling with it. So how? Tell us about that process.
2: Yeah, there's there's always a difficult part to a project. I think we've worked on so many projects that you you can get bored of your own style or you can get bored of the way you think you know you've drawn something a thousand times the same way and and you just say i'm not going to do it again you know and i think it's a challenge to try and reinvent yourself a little bit you know you might not see it but i might in my mind go oh i've done this differently today I've, i've changed the format i've worked in i've experimented and i think it's experimentation that gets you over that hurdle of of not knowing what to do. It's easy to ask somebody for what you think the answer might be, but it's not often the answer, you know? Mm. Um, No,
3: yeah. It's almost never, I feel like. So, I mean, I guess (laughs) the time difference makes it so that it's very early in the morning here, and it's later in the afternoon for you there. Um, So maybe I'm just thinking about food. But it makes me think, so my mother is a good cook, and she used to make the same few, you know, different dishes, same thing over Mm. and over And every once in a while, she'd talk to her sister and then she'd get into her head to try something new. And then we'd all be like, it didn't matter how it tasted, it was just different. And that was hard for us. Like, we'd be like, no, I don't think so. And I do think (laughs) in terms of illustration, how do you allow for yourself to experiment, but keep your voice or keep it so people are like, oh, that's duty moody.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I I think it's firstly the trust of your clients. You know, you work, this is, you experimenting, but it's their job. They're paying you to do this. And I think over the years, we've built trust with our clients that when they send references our way, and luckily it's our work, we're like, cool, we we see where your head's at, but we're going to just try something a little bit new. They might not know that we're going to do that, but it'll still be in the realm. So if we didn't have that trust and and that belief that they will uh, buy into most things that we do, then I think it wouldn't be possible. And also, there's no. We, we're not. I'm not gonna say we're not too precious, but we've got to play around a bit and and try and surprise people, you know, and mm-hmm. surprise ourselves. And and so, you know, with that in mind, we hope that the client will fall in love with what we do, even if it's a little bit different.
3: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I like the playfulness that is in the process, because the playfulness yeah. is also visually so clear, you know, it's right. what okay. you what is manifest. How do you foster playfulness in the visual?
2: Yeah, I think that's an individual thing as well. You, uh, you know, uh, um, we spoke about it last time, is that there's a bit of... Uh, humor is a big part of our culture. As a studio, we, we get on quite well, and there is humor in our interactions and joking around. And I think that lends itself to playfulness and illustrations. And also, you know, in the in the atmosphere in the studio, it's not a heavy place, you know? It's a colorful, bright place, and there's music playing. And, and we understand that creativity it just doesn't happen on time all the time so <laughs> we obviously try and give people space to experiment and i think it's that space we do you know if we're not on a job we encourage people to play around and just try something new you know there's no pressure and then from yeah. that you can take that into a, a, maybe a client job you know
3: yeah yeah i love so the sound all the work the client all this is playful do you all think about the viewer mm.
2: and their sense of play? Me, personally, I don't. Other yeah. people might, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, the worry about thinking what the viewer will think is, is yeah. you start thinking about them too much, you yeah. know, and and that kind of it starts in, getting in your head a bit. You kind of suck mm. yourself up, you know. Yeah. So it's to focus on what you think is the right way to do it or what you think is playful. I guess it's your personality coming through. That's mm-hmm. what's showing. Yeah,
3: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's interesting that's come up often. Many, many of um, the people who we've uh, interviewed have said the same thing. Yes, they don't, right? Yeah, so I mean, that that makes sense. So, we're almost yeah. out of time. We'd like to end these conversations with something positive. Yes. So, do you have something yeah. you're looking forward to or something you want to share with us?
2: I think you know, for us being so far away from your audience and whoever might see this, one thing I'd like to put out there is that illustration is difficult and there are a lot of people out there doing a lot of good work. But you know, if you can if you can make it from a little place in Africa right at the bottom and get lots of people to see your work, I I really want to encourage them to kind of take that that motivation into whatever they're doing because um I think it's quite scary to put yourself out there and put your work out there. I would encourage them to do it.
3: You know, my colleague Gina says one of the best things that ever happened to us is that we got to look for artists on Instagram. And we are constantly stalking people on Instagram looking for them. And it is pretty amazing what you found. We found found you all on Instagram. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you for listening to the Akron Art Museum's Relief Podcast and for joining us on this month's Art Adventure.